Blog Talk Radio. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Remnant Call. I'm your host, Brother Frank. Glad to have you here with us tonight. And we've got one of our favorite guests back this evening. You all know him well, and that's Brother Benjamin Baruch. And, uh, folks, tonight, um, you know, every time we have a program, we are that much closer to the second coming of the Lord. And we know that the Lord's not coming tomorrow. Now, he could do, obviously, anything he wants to do. He owns everything, but he put in his word the way prophecy would fold out and things that would have to happen, and the Lord sticks by what he says. That's why he doesn't change, and so God has some things to fulfill, and you know what? I believe he's coming back very soon, but I, it's not the coming back soon that I want to alert you to right this second. Folks, it's what's about to take place before the Lord comes back. That is the imminent threat and the danger to those that are asleep in at ease in Zion, and that is what Brother Benjamin is going to talk about tonight. So I want to just say a special thanks to everybody uh, for liking us on YouTube, subscribing to our channel, helping the Remnant Call to continue to grow. I really appreciate it. And folks, it won't be much longer, and one day we'll be sitting around. It won't be any need for a blog talk radio, no, no need for a, a Thursday night Remnant Call, because the Lord will be speaking it to us directly when we are in his kingdom and it will be a blessing so with that i'm going to bring on our guest tonight brother benjamin brother benjamin are you here with me this evening well good evening frank amen god bless you brother thanks for coming on with me tonight well hallelujah appreciate the opportunity to always come on remnant call and yeah it's great to be here praise god it is you know benjamin and my wildest dreams I would have never believed that uh, in 1999, when I first met you, that we would be here together on the radio in 2019 uh, in the circumstances that we were in. You know, I, we, we've seen the, it seemed like he was been bad then, but now looking back, that seems like nothing compared to now. It seems like nothing compared to what's going on in the world right now. We have come... A lot farther, and Benjamin, what's, what what I always um, am amazed at the Lord is we see that His Word continues to be fulfilled exactly the way He says it's going to be. And so, brother, with that, I was wondering, could you open up this program with a word of prayer as we get started tonight? Absolutely. To the listening audience, pray with us. We ask you to agree with us in prayer, Father, in Jesus' name. We come, and, and in Jesus' name, we petition your throne of grace, and we ask for mercy, mercy for our own lives, mercy for our loved ones, 
mercy for our families, mercy for our friends. Lord, we ask that you would remember mercy in this hour, which is the time of your judgment, Lord. Lord, the nation indeed has turned over to darkness, and, and almost a, literally a spirit of madness seems to have captured the minds of the people. But Lord, you're still the God of mercy, and, and so we ask, Lord, that you would remember mercy in the house of your people. Call your people back home. Give us ears to hear tonight that you would awaken the sleeping saints who are at ease in Zion. And, Lord, that you would quicken us to the lateness of the hour. We ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Benjamin, to me, as we're getting started, it seems like the world seems to understand the lateness of the hour. Read the news. But, boy, it doesn't seem like... A lot of the churches see the same problem. I don't know, brother. Share with us well, what the Lord's laying on your heart. I mean, to those who are awake, the news is horrific. You know, in the last few days, and this program is being aired live on February 14th, 2019, but in the last few days, we saw news reports of, well, first of all, there was the, the change in in abortion laws in a number of states where now it is legal to murder or abort a full-term baby. And we're even hearing reports of babies being murdered, having their organs harvested after they were born. Babies with a, who have been born full-term with their hearts beating, having their body organs harvested. Oh, this is Disgusting. unthinkable. It's horrible. And um, we know that there are certain communist governments that have been rumored <clears throat> to harvest the organs of uh, political prisoners without anesthesia. And uh, what a horrible thing to do to a person or, or, you know, to any living thing, really. But, you know, these horrors are occurring. And when the legislation was passed, the legislators cheered. This, as if this some, is some kind of victory. And yet you hear no outcry from the sleeping churches. No outcry from the false prosperity teachers. No outcry from the false prophetic movement. The pulpits are silent. The shepherds are sleeping. And the people are complacent as if the days of ease would continue indefinitely. We're going to talk about the days of ease tonight, because they are indeed ending soon. But, uh, Lord, I pray you would bless this program with the, the blessing of your Holy Spirit to lead this message for the edification of your people, because, indeed, the time is at hand. And, you know, Frank, we had talked about possibly um, doing a program on another subject, and I just, you know... As I was prayerfully getting ready for the program, I really felt, no, we needed to do something different. And you asked me, well, what's the title for tonight? And I literally just typed, Days of Ease. And that's indeed what we're in. <clears throat> I remember back to when I was first shown the Day of the Lord back in 1996 and when I was translated into the future, and I, I saw the severe judgment that will come upon the church in America 
And I literally told the people at work, you know, that I'd heard from the Lord, and he'd shown me the judgment. And, and they told me, well, you know, let's just pray about this. Let's not tell anyone. And, of course, God arranged for um, me to tell <laughs> everyone. And you know, their first reaction was um, they literally thought I, you know, lost my mind, I'm sure. I mean, because really, who hears from God, right? I mean, in the Laodicean church, nobody hears from God. Isaiah, you know, testifies in Isaiah 56, their watchmen are blind. This is verse 10. They are all ignorant. They are dumb dogs who can't even bark. They're sleeping, lying down. They love to slumber. They ease on their beds. Yes, they're greedy dogs, which never have enough. And these are shepherds that cannot understand. You ever wonder why so many pastors cannot understand that the day of the Lord is coming? And the judgment begins in the house of God. They can't understand that the judgment would begin in the house of God. Because they don't understand the Lord. Rather, the scripture says they look to their own way. And everyone for his own gain. Oh, they're all looking for the angle. Looking for the offering. Looking to sell their merchandise. You know, hit my PayPal button. And, um, you know, it's really all about the money in the, in the compromised churches today. And then they say, come and I'll fetch wine and we'll fill ourselves and tomorrow will be as today, only more prosperous. And so, you know, the, these blind leaders are literally asleep. In Isaiah 29, the Lord said, he's poured upon them a spirit of deep sleep. And he's closed their eyes. And the prophets and the leaders and the seers, he's covered their eyes. And this is exactly how God brings the judgment. The very first thing he does is he puts the people to sleep. And they wander off in error, convinced that they're walking in righteousness. And in Jeremiah 51, the Lord says the same thing about Babylon, America. He says, you know, in their passion or in their pleasure i will make their feast they're literally partying they're slaying the fatted lamb they're eating the prime rib they're drinking the the best wine they anoint themselves with the expensive oil they lounge on beds of ivory and in their passion and in their pleasures i'll make their feast and i will make them drunk that they would rejoice and sleep a perpetual sleep and not awaken, says the Lord. And I'll bring them down like lambs to the slaughter, and like the rams with the he-goats. How is Sheshach taken? How is America Babylon taken? How is the praise of the whole earth surprised? How is Babylon become an astonishment upon or among the nations? And how will the church, will the Laodicean church in Babylon be surprised? For the days of ease are ending soon. And I remember after I had declared the word of the Lord back at, at my job, and they literally did, they thought I was, you know, had a, I don't know, lost my mind, I guess. It was not even two or three days the Lord woke me up, probably about 4.30 in the morning, and he told me, I want you to call Doug, 
one of the guys that I worked for at this company, one of the management people, I want you to call Doug and tell him to get up and pray for the days of ease are ending soon. You know, and I was, Frank, I was like halfway asleep when I heard this, you know, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I got to be dreaming, you know, this doesn't make any sense at all. And I literally pushed it out of my head. I mean, it was 4.30 in the morning. I'm like, I guess I'll get up, you know, and I'm just starting to take a shower, you know, and kind of get the sleep out of my eyes. And again, I hear, call Doug and tell him the days of ease are ending soon to get up and pray. And I'm thinking, I can't. I'm like hitting my ear, you know. I can't be hearing right. This can't be right. Call Doug and tell him to get up and pray. For the days of ease are ending soon. And, you know, I realized, okay, you know, this isn't going away, you know. <laughs> I'm really hearing the Lord, you know. I'm finally fully awake, and I'm thinking. I literally, I said, Lord, they already think I'm crazy. And now you want me calling them at 4.30 in the morning? I mean, really, how many people appreciate a phone call at 4.30 in the morning, right? I'm thinking, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. And I just went and got in the shower, and, you know, and, and the Lord was insistent upon this. Call Doug. I'm like, finally, I'm like, what? You know, why Doug? Why not Peter or Ken or Keith? <laughs> I tell you, I gave the Lord. And I think back to some of my conversations with him, and I'm really embarrassed as to my part. You know, I've sort of learned to just pay attention, write down what he says, and go and do it. And don't. You know, half the questions I would ask are sort of stupid. But I was asking the Lord, you know, why Doug? You know, right. All he said was, call Doug at that point. And I thought, okay, fine. You know, I got the phone. I'm dialing this guy's phone number, I'm thinking. By now it's 5 a.m. Some of you have heard this story before. I'm thinking, you know, this isn't going to work out very well. This guy wakes up half asleep, you know, hello. And I'm like, Doug, the Lord told me to call you and tell you to get up and pray for the days of ease are ending soon. He's like, well, thanks. Thanks for calling. I'm like, what? Like, I couldn't believe it. He thanked me for calling him. By that point, it was 5 a.m. And uh, later that day, I ran into him at the office, and he told me he had an appointment, and he had forgot to set his alarm clock, and he had to get up at 5 you know, and the Lord knew that, you know, he would have to tell me at 4.30 if, for me to finally make the phone call by 5. But it was also a prophetic word for this time. You know, this was 1996, and God's telling me to call people and tell them the days of ease are ending soon. I had no idea, Frank, soon would be 23 years. Yeah. And that's how long Jeremiah and Baruch his scribe, testified before ancient Israel until the judgment came upon the people. And so in the fall of 1996, I was shown the judgment upon the people of America, upon the church in America. And if it turns out to be the same 23 years, the persecution will begin in the fall of 2019. Well, Naz translated into the future in November so you know it was middle of the fall pushing closer to winter really we'll see if the 23 years fits exactly but God was saying 22 years ago to get up and pray 
for the days of ease are ending. And, you know, I have to think, and, um, you know, at the time, I, I had no idea we would have 22, 23 years. You know, when God told me that, Frank, honestly, I thought all of this was going to take place far sooner. Yeah. As did Jeremiah as well. At one point, Jeremiah was amazed. You know, you, if you read the book, at one point he says, Lord, did you deceive me? Nothing happened. Jeremiah and Baruch warned that country for two decades, and nothing happened. And they were the laughing stock of Israel. Oh, here come those two crazy guys again, thinking that Babylon the Great's going to fall one day, thinking that we could be destroyed in one hour, thinking that the cities are going to all burn, and the nation's going to be bankrupt, and the church is going to be judged in a severe persecution, and none of that has happened. But yet it's all fixing to happen. We're in a different world than we were in 22 years ago, as you mentioned, Frank. Yes. Everything's lining up. Deep darkness is covering the minds of the people. I mean, the, the wicked who do not know the Lord, they are literally changing. And if you stand up for righteousness or if you stand up for truth, they gnash their teeth at you now. There are literally people calling for the murder of Christians, the murder of white males. Liberal educators and politicians are literally, they have lost their minds. And we haven't seen anything yet because they are going to marvel after the beast. And they're going to turn into the beast that they've worshipped. And so all of this is coming to pass, and yet what has been the response of the people of God? Clearly there's a remnant that's listening because there's a lot of watchmen that have come. But, you know, what message are the watchmen teaching? You know, there's a Hear the Watchmen conference, you know. If you care to go hear the watchmen who are also, for the most part, salesmen, there's a few, a few guys that maybe have a legitimate word, but there's a lot of salesmen. And you could pay $500 for a VIP ticket. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Strike that comment from the, from the recorded copy, Frank. But seriously... You know, what are all the watchmen teaching the people? How many are calling us to prayer and fasting? And I was thinking just today, you know, the Lord clearly has commanded the church to prepare for the day of the Lord by gathering in solemn assemblies and by entering into seasons of prayer and fasting and humbling ourselves and repenting and turning from our our own ways, turning from our, our own pleasures. And yet, where are the voices? You know, a lot of people are looking for a political solution. But the problem that is afflicting our country is not, it doesn't have its origin in a political problem. The problem is a spiritual problem. And the darkness, the evil is manifesting in political ways and in social ways that are obviously darkness and obviously evil, but 
the only way to change anything in any of our lives is to get to the root. And the root of the matter is spiritual. But yet the people are at ease in Zion. Even today. I don't even think those of us who know how late the hour is, we have no idea how dramatically the world is going to change. You know, and then I was thinking, you know, how the Lord had said to me, you know, to tell Doug or to tell the people to get up and pray. You know, get up early and begin to pray. First thing before you start your day, set your alarm clock early and get up to pray. And I just wonder, you know, how many Christians are even praying today? You know, I know there's some, but for the most part, you know, this is a people who really don't pray. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, when you're in your shower, you know, and or when you're driving your car, or when you're driving your car and it's snowing, and all of a sudden your car starts spinning down the highway. You, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody's praying in that moment, but I'm talking about taking the time to set aside in your prayer closet or you know, wherever you go to pray and setting aside some time to seek the Lord in prayer, in the Word, and in worship. How many people are actually praying? And if they are, how much time are we devoting to prayer? And how, much, how many days or, or how much time have we committed to fasting in prayer? You know, I can feel the difference in the spirit world when the saints are praying for me. And, you know, I've got, there's a prayer army that is signed up for, for a prayer covering, not only for, for my ministry, but for the remnant as a whole. And I can tell when that group of people are diligently in prayer, I can feel the difference. And I can also tell when everybody kind of gets busy. The enemy brings in their busyness or, you know, whatever distractions have come upon us. You know, and the easiest thing to do is to find things other than time to pray. And there's always something. You know, the days of ease are actually busy days. I mean, right? You think of all the things you've got to be busy about all your chores and and your jobs and and the things of the flesh and you know and most of us had to find time to watch the Super Bowl I would venture to guess a fair number of people watched the Nephilim right the NFL the gods of this ruined age we all watched the champion gods play or at least quite a few All of us find time to do the things that are important to us. All of us find time to pursue the pleasures that we enjoy. We all find time to eat. It's amazing how everybody finds time to prepare their meals. As busy as we are, feeding the flesh always makes it on our calendar. But how many of us find time to fast? and pray hallelujah woe unto those that are at ease in 
Zion. You know, we've lived a life of ease. All of us have. This generation, at the end of the age, has had the most prosperity and has had the most free time and for most of us has had relative affluence compared to prior generations. Everybody's walking around with a cell phone. Everybody's got the time and the money for the things of the flesh. You know, even people that are struggling financially, they've got time to buy their cigarettes and they've got time to buy their beer and they've got the money for the same. But how many of us recognize the days of ease are ending soon? How many of us? Isaiah chapter 32, verse 9, Rise up, you women that are at ease, you careless daughters. Give ear unto my speech. For many days and many years you will be troubled. The vintage shall soon fail. The harvest, the food stock, the gathering shall not come. Famine has been appointed. A nation of people that refuse to fast and pray will be taken into captivity, and they will have plenty of time to pray while in captivity. And there will also be famine brought upon the land, and so they will also be forced into a time of fasting and prayer. I dare say it would have been far wiser for us merely follow the commandments of the Lord in Holy Scripture. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, go read the book of Joel for yourself. It's only three chapters. You can read it in just a few minutes' time. And in it, the Lord prescribes a series of commandments to the people of God at the end of the age when you see these things coming to pass, and they definitely involve finding time to fast and pray coming out of the easy chair and putting on sackcloth and and humbling ourselves and seeking the Lord. But the scripture warns us, tremble you women that are at ease, you careless ones. And that's really a picture of this last day's church. Frank, you did a great job picking a um, theme photo for the YouTube program that we're now recording. And you showed a couple of... Um, leaders of the Laodicean church that are at ease and they're just yeah. kicked back and you know they're comfortable and and they're really cool too they've got the hip clothing on and you know they're relevant oh they're very relevant and they're prophetic and they're pathetic too and they're about to be thrown headlong into the tribulation of their lives, and in spite of all of the prophets in their prophetic movement, they don't have a clue. And that's really the condition of most of the church. And they've got their false deliverances, and they've got their bogus eschatology, and they either think we're nowhere near the day of the Lord, or they think it'll never touch them. A backslidden, compromised church woefully unprepared and all of them having fallen asleep some had the wisdom to acquire the oil of the Holy Spirit others 
lacking even the anointing, the very presence of God. And in the midnight hour, which is about to come to pass, they'll wake and find they have no oil. If you have no anointing in your life, if you're so far from the Lord that you're literally an empty vessel, when these judgments begin, you're just going to break. You're going to break. You won't be able to stand. You won't be able to cope. You won't make it one day in the day of the Lord without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, without the peace that passes understanding, without the ability to connect with the Lord in prayer. You will not make it. You won't last five minutes, people. How do I know? I was there. I was in the day of the Lord. I cracked. It broke me. When the Lord brought me back and I began to tell my friends and family what happened, they said to me, you know, we don't know whether you really heard from God or whether you had a nervous breakdown because you are a mess. And I was. I was trembling for seven days. I couldn't stop shaking from the fear of what I saw. And I, I literally told my friends, I said, well, it's obviously both. God spoke and I broke. And when you see what I saw, if you're not prayed up going into this, you're going to break too. And it's not and it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. Woe unto those that are at ease in Zion. Amos 6. And who trust in the mountains of Samaria. The mountains of Samaria were the places of the worship of the flesh. You know, the temple had been burned, and, and so they began to build high places in the mountains of Samaria. And, and they did what was right in their own eyes. But they were not following the commandments of the Lord. And they were at ease, and they were convinced that, that they, it was good enough. Amos 6. You that put away, put far away the evil day. They don't want nothing. They don't want to hear anything about the day of God, of his judgment. They want nothing to know about the day of the Lord. And you cause the seed of violence to come near. You know, these men that rule these backslidden churches, they abuse the sheep. They lie on beds of ivory, and you eat the lambs out of the flock. And you chant to the sound of music. And you invent for yourselves instruments of music like David. And you drink your wine in bowls. And you anoint yourself with the most expensive oil. But you are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. And isn't that the compromised church? Living the good life. They're the Laodiceans. They're rich. They need nothing. They're at ease. That word is sha'an, and it, it actually means secure in a bad sense. It translates to haughty, to at ease, but proud. It's people that are assuming. They, they've got everything going for them. They don't have afflictions. They're not in the valley of decision. They're lying on beds of ivory eating the lambs of the flock. They're having their filet mignon with their Bernays sauce. And they're eating the most expensive foods and drinking the most expensive wine. 
and they made their own worship. It's not the worship of the Lord. It's the entertainment of their flesh. And they are not grieved at all for the affliction of Joseph. And that word for affliction is shaber. And it literally means to be fractured or to be broken, to be ruined, to be afflicted and brokenhearted, and to be bruised greatly. And they don't care. It didn't affect them. It don't matter to them. Just like when Joseph's brothers threw him in the pit and sat down to have lunch. And no doubt Joseph was begging them and crying to them. And they're discussing, you know, well, should we kill him? Or, you know, well, maybe that's not such a good idea. What profit is there in killing him? Wait, hey, let's sell him to the Midianites. We'll sell him as a slave. We'll get 20 pieces of silver for him. And and then let's see what happens to his dreams, right? Joseph's brothers have no mercy whatsoever on him. And the apostate church has no concern for the ones that they themselves cast out. You know, people that suddenly stop attending the congregation, nobody even cares. Nobody even calls. Nobody even seeks what happened to these lost sheep. Why did they leave? doesn't matter. There'll be more to come and take their place. And Amos says, Therefore now shall they go captive with the first to go into captivity. They will be the first people arrested when the persecution comes down in this country. They will be the first to go captive. And the Lord said, He swore by himself, saith the Lord God of hosts, I abhor the excellency of Jacob. I hate their palaces, and therefore I will deliver up both the city and everyone therein. The people that are at ease in Zion are about to be shattered. They're going to be shattered with what's about to happen. You know, and I think about even in, within the remnant how easy it is for us to just kind of almost tune out the very message that we've heard. You know, I can tell you that in the months that followed my experiencing the judgment, I mean, I was, it was a matter of life and death for me to seek the Lord. I didn't have any trouble fasting because I felt like my life depended on it. The life of my children depended on it. And I, you know, I, I thought back to when the Lord came to visit me at my house. This was the in the early part of my testimony when I was about 21 years old, and and I'd been lost in the darkness for about three years. The Lord came in, and I didn't see him, but I heard his I heard his voice loud and clear, and he he asked me to do him a favor. And <laughs> He said, I, I want you to do me a favor. And I, I thought, well, you know, I even told him, I said, what do you want me for? You know, I'm not even saved. I didn't think I was a Christian at that point. What do you, why would you want me, Lord? He said to me, I want you to pray for the babies that are being murdered in America. And um, I asked him, I said, why don't you just get your church to pray? And the Lord 
answered me, and he said, I, I've asked my church to pray, and they won't pray. And I said, what? What's wrong with your church? You know? It was many, many years later, and um, it was probably, I don't know, five, six years ago. I can't remember exactly. Uh, but I was in my prayer loft, and the Lord spoke to me and said, when did I tell you to stop praying for the babies? You know, and, and I had stopped praying for the babies. I mean, I, I that was not a, you know, a part of my daily, diligent prayer. I mean, I'd been praying for, you know, a lot of other things. I hadn't stopped praying, but but I had stopped praying about the babies that were being murdered. And God said to me, when did I tell you to stop? I had to repent. You know, the Lord didn't, he never did tell me to stop. You know, I'm not sure why I stopped, but but I did. But, you know, I think of the church. You know, had I gone back to the the churches in, this was like 1978, I think. Yeah, it would have been 78. Had I gone to, you know, all of the churches, you know, the Calvary chapels and the vineyard churches and all of the other churches and all that all profess to know the Lord, you know, and, and had I asked the pastors and the elders, you know, did the Lord ask you to pray for the babies being murdered in America? You know, I'm sure they would have said, you know, something um, like, well, yeah or no, or I don't know, whatever they would have said. You know, and then if I would have asked them, well, um, did you t not obey the Lord? Did you decide not to pray? I'm sure I would have heard a thousand excuses. Oh, no, we're, brother, we pray. We, we have our men's prayer breakfast, and we have our ladies' prayer vigil every Wednesday, first Wednesday of the month. You know, they would have given me the lip service of, of course they were, they were praying, and of course they would have prayed for the babies. But the Lord told me, I've asked my church to pray, and they won't pray. Okay, so, I mean, whatever excuse the church might want to offer, you know, that ain't going to play very well on Judgment Day. Because they're lying. The Lord asked the church to pray, and they would not pray. And today, the scriptures are commanding the church to gather in solemn assemblies. And when's the last time you've been invited to a solemn assembly? When's the last time you prayed about God opening the door for a solemn assembly? When is the last time you decided to get together with one or two of your close Christian friends and set aside even a single day for fasting and prayer? Now, I know some of you guys are fasting and praying. Thank God for you. Bless the Lord for you. And, and may the Lord double the anointing in your life. May he fill you with the power and the strength to continue the battle. But for the majority of us, and I'll put myself on the list, we're not standing in the gap as we should. You know, I had a, um, a sister who a few, maybe a week ago or something, you know, was really suffering from some physical problems, you know, and she asked me, you know, Benjamin, please pray for me. And so I did. The next day, I went in my prayer loft, and, 
You know, I went to war over her life, and one of her children had been, like, severely injured, you know, literally fell off a table and severe concussion, had been hospitalized. I mean, you know, this little child had gotten really hurt, and, and I went I went to battle in the spirit. And the next day she wrote me an email, and she's like, I could tell. Everything changed. You know, if we had any idea how powerful our prayers were, I mean, you know, the enemy attacks every believer. I mean, we are all being assaulted. They fire the fiery darts at us daily. You know, and if it's not daily, it's on a pretty regular basis. And by the mercies of God, we overcome. But we don't overcome by being at ease in Zion. We overcome by the word of our testimony, and by the blood of the Lamb, and we overcome by being diligent in prayer. Jesus told us, pray without ceasing. Now, that's a figure of speech, right? Because you probably can't pray 24-7. But that's the goal, is that we would be continuing in prayer. And to your prayer at fasting, I know there are times where the enemy will really come at me. And and I'll, I'll, every now and then I'll send out an email to my prayer team you know i call them the prayer army and i'll ask i'll ask this faithful group of saints to pray and i gotta tell you guys for the next 24 hours it's like the heavens are blown wide open whatever hindrance was there is gone the anointing and the power of the holy spirit is just incredible and then over the next successive days it lessens and lessens and lessens. And, you know, I don't know how many people are praying, and I don't know to what extent. I, I do know a few saints that write me um, and kind of keep me apprised, and, and I know they're being diligent because they, they tell me so. And, hey, I'm still here alive speaking to you tonight, and I'm telling you it's in part because of the prayers of a few faithful saints. But i got to tell you guys, when we are diligent in prayer, we are changing the atmosphere of the people's lives around us that we're lifting up. If we had any inkling of the power of our prayers, if we knew what was being accomplished, we would find more time to pray. We would wake ourselves from our slumber. We'd shake off the, the dust and and. Get the sleep out of our eyes. Devote ourselves to fasting and prayer. Because these days really are coming, you guys. You know, those who've been listening to me for, some of you guys, like, well, Frank, you know, you've listened for almost 20 years, going on 20 yep. years at this point. Okay, that's like a long time. And, and the Lord's brought forth some really awesome stuff from the Word. I mean, we've, We've been blessed by a lot of wonderful insight into the things of God coming right out of Holy Scripture. You know, at the same time, though, when you've heard these messages for 20 years, it's hard to stay at that point of diligence because this is always something that's still far off. I mean, yeah, we've been warning that the day of the Lord is at hand, but it's always been in the future. And never has actually come upon us. That is fixing to change. 
And when this day comes, it's incomprehensible what it's going to be like. You just can't even imagine it because nothing like this has ever happened before. And I'll just give you a little bit of scriptural um, evidence of how intense this is going to be. This is from Zechariah chapter 1. I'm reading in verse 15 and on. I am very sore displeased with the nations that are at ease or with the heathen that are at ease or with the people that are walking in the flesh and in sin and compromise and that are at ease in Zion. For I was a little displeased with my remnant but the nations made the affliction heavier, says the Lord. And those words where God says, I am very sore displeased. There are three words there. The word very is gadol, and it means greatly. And it also means insolent. It means exceedingly, abundantly, very greatly. And the word for sore is katsaf. And it means to crack or burn like a fire that is figuratively bursting or exploding in rage, to be provoked to wrath. And the word for displeasure is ketseth, and it means to splinter or to be broken off. It means figuratively raging or strife. It means to foam at the mouth. It means indignation with great wrath. So when you put those words together, the three of them together could be more appropriately translated. God is saying, I am greatly and exceedingly angry. I am bursting in my rage. I have been provoked to wrath. I am raging and foaming. I am spitting mad. I've been pushed over the edge, and now I'm full of indignation and wrath. It's pretty much the mindset of the Lord today. An infinite God is as angry as he can become. You know, some people might say, well, why? Well, because they're, um, mur- they're cutting his babies up when they're born alive. They're harvesting their body parts while the baby's still breathing because of the immorality and the, the, the perversion that is now an accepted part of our culture and is now being advertised all over our media because of the wickedness being taught to the children, because of the, the sleeping, slumbering church that will not awaken at the hearing of the Word of God, because of the compromise and the sin in the camp of the Most High. And because so many people could care less about the affliction of Joseph, they don't care about the suffering of the body of Christ, as long as they're comfortable, as long as they can still lounge out on their bed of ivory, as long as they still can eat the fatted lamb, as long as their oil and their wine is there, they're fine. I can just kick back like the guys on on the picture that you chose for the for the image for this message. They're just at ease in Zion, man. It's all good, you know. 
They got no affliction. They're not the, you know, they have not had to endure any of the pain and suffering of the remnant. And so they're the people who have settled on their lees. And, you know, they're, they're not poured out. They've, that scripture where it talks about Moab being settled on their lees. Let me see if I can find that reference exactly. Um, where it talks about Moab. Yeah, this is Jeremiah 48:11. Moab has been at ease from his youth. And that's, that's America. The Americans have been on easy street from their youth, from when we were young. We grew up in the time of prosperity, in the time of leisure, in the era of entertainment. You know, that's all we've known. It's been easy street. And the church has been at ease, going all the way back. And so we've settled on our lees. That's the sediment. When a, when a wine is put into a bottle, it's got sediment and impurities and that sediment settles to the bottom. And the only way to clean or to purify the wine is to pour it out and to another vessel, and then you throw away the sediment, and then it settles again, and then God pours it out again, and again it settles, and then the Lord pours you out and pours you out. And those of us who have been called for the remnant, you know what I'm talking about when God pours you out. And, you know, it's pretty rough is God literally turns your life upside down and pours you from one vessel to another, but it cleans out a lot of the sediment. But not so for the people at ease. They've settled on the sediment, and they've not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Neither have they gone into any captivity, nor do they know any changes. They don't know the affliction of Joseph. Therefore, his taste remains in him, and his scent is not changed. They're still in their sin. But they've hidden it far within. And they think everything is fine because they're rich and in need of nothing. But the Lord is about to empty them out. Only the, the manner that he's going to use with the church of sediment, the church that has settled on their sin, and they've called it modern Christianity, the it's a faith of compromise where, you know, everybody's stuck in Romans 7 and you don't get to the victory until the great by and by. The Lord is, instead of pouring them out, he holds them up as a vessel and he lets them go. And they fall and they shatter into a million pieces. And that will empty them out. They're going to be emptied out in one day and they will be blown away. I remember while back the Lord said to me, my people are ignorant of my word. And that is the condition today. The, the church has not learned to be a student of the word. They haven't been Bereans. They have not studied the word themselves. They relied on what pastor would tell them for the most part. So they're ignorant of the word of God. He said, my people are ignorant of my word, immature in their faith. And we are. We're just a bunch of spoiled children. We're immature in the faith and yet arrogant in their pride. My people are full of themselves, but I will empty them out. Well, I'm here to tell you that you really want to empty yourself out through fasting and prayer. 
rather than force the Lord to do this in you. Because, you know, if you belong to him, then he's going to save you. And the process of being saved is the process of sanctification. The church, the Laodicean church, because they are so ignorant in the Word of God, they don't really know um, what the New Covenant was all about. You know, the New Covenant was not just Jesus died, you know, to pay for your sin, and you got saved by grace, and so, you know, go have a good life sinning. And everybody continue. You know, no one can overcome, you know, because we're all trapped in the lust of the flesh. That's essentially the experience of the Laodicean church. And they use the argument of the doctrine of justification to say, well, you know, God knows we're all sinners. We're just all sinners saved by grace. You know, and we're all continuing in our sin. And nobody's walking in the anointing because the Lord's not going to dwell in sin. And they may be saved. They might actually be God's people. But they've not learned to turn from their sin. They've not learned that there's a process called sanctification in which your body becomes sanctified and in which your mind becomes renewed. I remember going to a men's group at one of the you know, mega churches down in um, Newport Beach, California. It's probably the wealthiest church in Newport Beach, California. And... Um, Remember at the men's group, they were everybody was sharing, you know, their personal experience, and and there was maybe ten men at this little table we were all sitting at, and they all went around one after another, talking about how they all lust after the women who dress like worldly women while attending the church services, and they're all imagining sinful acts in their minds during church right and then it came to me and i'm like well uh i don't i don't do that i never heard of such a thing when i was walking in the age of miracles and you guys that know my testimony you know i went through about a four-year period of just walking in the fullness of the anointing and that period began in in well i would have been like yeah 
through the wide road that leads to destruction. And, you know, the key to the wide road is there's no sanctification required. You can keep your sin and be a Christian. Of course, you end up in hell, and, you know, being a Christian in hell is the worst possible thing. You Really, it's probably worse than people that never knew about the gospel. Now, I'm not trying to put a yoke of bondage or burden on you guys to say that, well, you know, if you're really a Christian, then you're, you don't ever fall. No, the Scripture says the most righteous fall seven times a day. I'm not saying that, you know, we should all be perfect, but what I am saying is you have the legal authority to put down your sin. You have the legal authority through the power of the blood of Jesus and through the power of the name of Jesus. If you have been born again, sin shall not rule over you. You don't have to stay in Romans 7. You can go on to the victory of Romans 8. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, but who also dwell in and are led by the Holy Spirit. If you stay in the mind of the flesh, you're going to stay in the place of defeat. And, you know, it's kind of a general rule that the people who are at ease in Zion and the people of the false church or the, the Laodicean church or the deceived churches who are themselves at ease in the things of the flesh, they've been completely deceived by Satan. They don't even know that there's a victory through which you can overcome. And the Lord made it very clear in the book of Revelation that the victory and the blessings are to him who overcomes. And that's not your justification, folks. You were legally justified by your faith in Jesus, and by believing and repenting. That was your legal standing before God. But your sanctification involves an effort from you. And, you know, we are to work out our salvation. It's the sanctification part, but, you know, it's not a covenant of, you know, trying to be perfect. It's more putting off the flesh, and entering into the things of the Spirit. And, but, you know, the, the awakening of the sleeping saints, you know, the first thing that we need to do is to wake up and to realize, you know, the church has been deceived. When I typed the book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand, and I was, the Lord helped me, you know, tremendously with that book. And I asked him, I said, Lord, I don't even know where to begin. You know, what do I tell the people? He said, you know, tell them this. Tell them, take heed, no man deceive you. And that's chapter one. And then the next thing he said is, tell them about the fig tree. And then he said, tell them the church in America has been deceived. And one of the deceptions of the church in America is this idea that we can be at ease in Zion. And you know, folks, that was a deception. Because by literally putting down our guard and pretending that we could just be comfortable in the world, we let the enemy walk right in and set up shop for the prince of darkness within the congregation of the righteous. And that's how the false prophets got in. That's how the false prophetic movement was lifted up. And with it came the false doctrines. 
you know, and and here we are today with false worship, false doctrines abounding. And in many, many congregations, there's even a counterfeit of the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes, there is. It's a kundalini demon that mimics the work of the Holy Spirit, even as Janice and Jambres mimicked the ministry of Moses before Pharaoh. And um, I'm forgetting the name, but Frank, maybe you can remind me, who is that brother from Australia that... Um, you know, that wrote the book Kundalini Spirits that have invaded the church. Uh, you know who yeah, I'm thinking about? New Zealand, um, Andrew Strom. Yes. If you guys don't understand what I'm talking about, go and get the book by Brother Andrew Strom, um, New Age Spirits that have invaded the church, or go on YouTube and type in World Satanic Church Revival, and you'll see a series of YouTubes by a black sister who uncovers one of these counterfeit churches and this kundalini anointing. And, you know, it's so sad because people that have no idea, they have no discernment, they, they walk into this stuff and they end up bound by it. But, you know, the Lord is faithful to save his people. And, you know, and if if in our hearts we love the truth and we're seeking the truth, the Lord will find us. The truth will find us. But if we're playing a game with God, if we're playing hide your sin, hide the wedge of the silver in your tent, then uh, you, know, you will end up among one of the congregations of the dead. You know, the scripture says, the man who wanders out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. And the congregations of the dead, and believe me, there's an entire message in my book, Out of the Darkness. There's an entire chapter entitled The Congregations of the Dead. And it follows the chapter Dark Council, where the ruined wisdom of this ruined age has deceived humanity and it's deceived much of the church who are lost among the congregations of the dead. And, and they, you know, they're going to follow the false prophet convinced they're following God. And no doubt they'll be told, you know, everything's fine, you know, go ahead and take the tattoo, let him, you know, let him put that infrared laser tattoo on your hand or your forehead because you haven't been raptured yet. Therefore, this can't be the mark of the beast, so go ahead and take the tattoo. And, hey, you might want to go watch that Pope character. He's calling fire down from heaven. Pretty awesome. Lying signs and wonders. Soon to follow. First, the truth will be preached in the earth. You know, and um, don't take my word for it. Search it out yourself in the scriptures, you guys. But I can assure you the time is late. You know, if it's correct that we're going to face the persecution this fall, and by the way, the persecution does come at the time when the, you know, the sprigs are cut, I, you know, where God is literally... You know, this is Isaiah 18, verse 5. You know, and by the way, this Isaiah 18 is talking about America. Woe to the land shadowing under the wings of an eagle, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, that sends their ambassadors by sea. You know, go, you messengers, to a nation scattered and peeled. That means clean-shaven. To a people terrible from their beginning. We were pretty solid people from our beginning. To a nation meted out and trotted down. The first nation measured 
precisely by meets and bounds was the United States of America. Our land was meted out and trodden down. We walked across this nation from the east seaboard to the west. And a land whose rivers have divided. Go look on the map. All the rivers and lakes and waterways that have divided the land of America. All you inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth, when he lifts up an ensign on the mountains, that's what's about to happen. The ensign is about to be lifted up. And the word of the Lord is about to come forth in power. And the very day that the word of God appears is the day that the persecution begins. For the day of the anointing of the man-child is the day that the woman must flee. So when the ensign is lifted up on the mountains, and when he blows the trumpet, you will hear. And thus says the Lord unto me, I will take my rest, and I will consider in my dwelling place like a clear heat upon the herbs, and like a cloud of dew in the heat of the harvest. For before the harvest, when the bud is perfect, and the grapes are ripening in the flower, he will cut off the sprigs with pruning hooks, and he will take away and cut down the fruitless branches, and they will be gathered together and burned in the fire. And no, it's not saying they're going to lose their salvation, just their lives. They're going to have their heads chopped off. They're going to die in the persecution of the Antichrist. And they shall be left together unto the fowls of the mountains and to the beasts of the earth, and the fowls will summer upon them and the beasts will winter upon them. And in that time, what time? The time of the persecution, which will be the time of visitation, which will be the time of the great repentance, when all the people of God will find time to fast and pray. In that time shall the present be brought unto the Lord of hosts. God's going to get a present. Yeah, if you haven't heard the message on the present, there's a YouTube. Go listen to it. It's all about the present. that's going to be brought to the Lord of hosts from a people scattered and peeled, and a people who were terrible from their beginning, the nation that was meted out. And there's a present coming forth after the persecution of the people of God in this land. The remnant that survives it, their hearts will be perfect before the Lord. Now, you can take heed to the commandments of God and take heed to the word of the Lord. Search this out for yourself and see if these things be so. Go read the book of Joel. Read and study the prophetic writings. And don't be confused by these teachers that tell you, oh, that's the Old Testament. No, it is not the Old Testament. These are the prophets of Israel. These are the prophets of God. The Old Testament is the Torah. It is the Old Covenant. It is the first five books of the Bible. And that has been repealed and replaced with a new covenant. But the books of wisdom, which is Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, they haven't changed. There's still the wisdom for the people of God all the way until the end. And the prophetic writings of the prophets of God, they have not been replaced or superseded. They speak of the very time in which we live now. So go search out the prophets of God and see if they say the things that I testify to. And if they do, then be wise like Bereans and do that which is written in the Word of God. And begin to gather together in your solemn assemblies. Begin to gather together in times of fasting and prayer. And if the Lord puts me on your heart, remember me in your prayers, because in many ways I'm walking point in this war that we're, we're about to wage. But i got good news for you guys. As you know, we win. And for all who are willing to turn from their sin, a place will be found for you among the remnant 
who will survive and endure until the end. You know, and don't you want to be a part of God's remnant? I sure do. I want to see the salvation of our God, and I want to see the Lord vindicate his name and his word before the nations. Amen. So, praise God. Frank, thank you for an opportunity to preach the word on remnant call. Amen. Hallelujah. No, Benjamin, the end of the program just brought back in my mind, folks, if you haven't heard the second exodus, you've got to go back on the remnant call to the second exodus. Okay. Um, It's coming. That's a good one. It's coming. And some of the things you talked about in Moab and all this stuff today. Listen, folks, God has a plan. He, it, there's there's a bad storm that's it's starting, but God has a deliverance plan. And, uh, folks, he's got this under control. I think what Benjamin's been trying to say, why don't we get on his plan? Turn down the, the, the make Babylon great again distraction. And let's start getting focused on the truth of what God wants us to do now in this hour. You know, Benjamin, you know, you've talked about before, we are so worried about our own problems. How often do we actually check in with the Lord and ask him what he would like us to do? And I think that, folks, is the message. God, what do you want me to do? What do you want the listening audience of the remnant call to do folks. The only person who can tell you that is the Lord himself. And if you don't get into his word and you don't get into prayer and you're wondering why the Lord's silent, don't blame it on him. Don't blame it on him because if you, if you keep the book closed and you keep the knees uh, nice and tender because you're never on them and don't, don't be upset if he never speaks. And so, Brother Benjamin, thank you for sharing this word tonight. I really appreciate it. God bless you, brother, for this. Yeah, um, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention social media. I guess there's a Day of the Lord is at hand. Um, Facebook page and Twitter and what else do we have? Do you remember, Frank? I don't (laughs) even know. Yeah, you have a – yeah, check him out on Facebook. Just search out the Day of the Lord is at hand. You'll find Brother Benjamin – and uh, and and you can follow his stuff, and uh, we are, post. It. Are we on Go Twitter ahead. too? We might be. I, I should know this. Yes, I'm really embarrassed. Uh, Rhonda's gonna Rhonda, get mad at me. Yes, yes, Rhonda. Thank you for everything you do. Um, amen. Uh, for Bruce pre- and Rhonda, you guys are a blessing. Yes, amen, amen. And, and shout you, out to Rini, her daughter. Yes. Um, and if you don't know about their ministry, uh, folks, we've spoke about the Johnson family many times. Um, there's still a GoFundMe page out there. If you want to support the Johnson family, please check them out uh, out there. They just went on faith uh, down to um, South America and just like, you know what, I'm, I'm going where the Lord wants me to go, down to Panama, excuse me, middle America. And, um, and, and so, folks, that's what it's about. Are you willing to go where the Lord wants you to go? And that's something we've got to re-examine and re-ask ourselves often, often. So, Benjamin, God bless you. Thank you for coming on tonight. And, folks, thanks for listening. Hey, you can start today with the first chapter of the beginning of the rest of your walk with the Lord. Don't wait till tomorrow. Start now. Prayer fasting and seeking his face with all of your heart and he says he loves he rewards those who diligently seek him the lord likes to be close to his people 
And folks, this is the hour. Benjamin, God bless you. This is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin Baruch on the Remnant Call saying to everybody, good night and shalom. Hey, hey.